Hi, everyone, and welcome to Nella's Tin Trunk Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about something that I think about a lot. And I'm kind of opening up a platform here where anyone who wants to weigh in on this can contact me on my email, through the website Tin Trunk Safari, or on the Instagram of the same name. The topic is how to put Africa into words, how to render what this place truly is. Years ago, I was walking with a friend in the bush, my first year here, actually, in 2004, when I was getting to know Kenya to start Tin Trunk. We were commenting on how amazing some of the trees that had been pushed over by elephants looked, dead and stark against the landscape, the unwitting sculptures of a world in which we were visitors, humbled and awed by the innocent custodians of this place the animals. My friend turned to me and said, you are meant to do this. Your path is to show people this place in its truth and beauty and with a pure and authentic heart as you do it. At the first presentation I gave, hosted by good friends in Seattle, I played a slideshow with music. It lasted 20 minutes and I didn't say a word. I wanted the photos and the evocative music to speak for itself. I wanted to bring Africa virtually and spiritually into the room. My presentation has evolved over these 18 years. Needless to say, it's shorter. It's still my photographs and it's still with beautiful music, but it's now on YouTube and it's only seven minutes. I wonder sometimes if people might like more but it's a busy world and we need to get on and talk about how long to come for, where in Africa to go, the bugs or lack thereof, what ages kids should be, and so on. Even those who have been in a presentation somewhere in the world to hear me talk about Africa in Tin Trunk, and frankly, who have even then come to Africa, often tell me I had no idea when they get here. The awe and marvel in their voice when they say this is what makes my work, in big quotes, by the way, so fulfilling. There are unlimited options to the safaris I plan in Africa, and happily, they all inspire these kinds of comments. Of course, another thing every African safari inspires are comments on the expense. An African safari is pretty much always expensive when compared to other trips in the world. As the price slopes gently down, the quality often plummets. I imagine there is a kind of trip here that doesn't inspire this awesome life-changing journey. And I've made a conscious choice from the beginning not to work with that kind of a trip, as I want every single safari to be a collaboration with those lodges and camps that are committed Not in an echo-speak kind of way, but in real-time, energy, and funds committed to helping Africa, her people, and her animals. And that is one of the reasons I make a point of test-driving every single place and of knowing the people in charge who are making decisions. Happily, there are a lot of people who have dedicated their lives to the conservation and well-being of Africa People and animals go together, 
If we want to save the animals, we must work with the people. And maybe this is the foundational reason why Africa is so unlike any other place. Why a holiday here is something that goes far beyond a trip and becomes a life's journey that leaves you changed. In my experience, no one, not even one person, has come here and left without feeling hugely privileged to be witnessing nature in this way and who doesn't leave worrying about the future of this remarkable land, as well as without commenting on how absolutely amazing the people here are. So what is it about this place? What is this je ne sais quoi about Africa? This I don't know how to put it. This mal d'Africa spoken of since the first people wrote about here. Bill Bryson said, To my mind, the greatest reward and luxury of travel is to be able to experience everyday things as if for the first time, to be in a position in which almost nothing is so familiar it is taken for granted. Karen Blixen, the author of Out of Africa, said, There is something about safari life that makes you forget all your sorrows and feel as if you had drunk half a bottle of champagne, bubbling over with heartfelt gratitude for being alive. She also said, you know you are truly alive when you're living among lions. Another author, Jody Picot, said, Africa, you can see a sunset and believe you have witnessed the hand of God. You watch the slow lope of a lioness and forget to breathe. You marvel at the tripod of a giraffe bent to water. In Africa, there are iridescent blues on the wings of birds that you do not see anywhere else in nature. In Africa, in the midday heat, you can see blisters in the atmosphere. When you are in Africa, you feel primordial, rocked in the cradle of the world. Paul Thoreau said, But Africa time was not the same as American time. As Africa time passed, I surmised that the pace of Western countries was insane, that the speed of modern technology accomplished nothing, and that because Africa was going its own way, at its own pace, for its own reasons, it was a refuge and a resting place. And those are from the well-known people. Those who have traveled with Tin Trunk have also left words with me after the trips that speak of unmatched time with family, overwhelm, the power of being in raw nature, how what felt like the best trip of their lives is now part of who they want to be, how they want to walk the planet, and a place they want to return to, both physically and within. My own story is similar. When I came on a horse safari in northern Kenya, I wrote in my journal throughout, and the themes were humility, awe, freedom on an enormous scale, feeling fully myself, happy in my own skin, recognizing where the trickster of life tries to lead me away from what truly matters and how good and whole it feels in that recognition, so easily made while sitting in the shade of an acacia tree or beside a river listening to the birds. So many birds. When my niece Grace visited at age 15, she said, the birds in Africa are the alarm clock you can't turn off. Many who want to come to Africa yearn to experience something different, something unfamiliar. 
Many are intrigued with the way people live here, whether that be in modern metropoli like Kigali, Cape Town, and Nairobi, or in traditional communities like the Maasai, the Samburu, the Khoisan, the Mercy. Everyone wants to see the animals, and many are surprised by how many there are. I expected to see lions, but not to sit with 15 of them right beside our safari jeep, was a comment from someone on a multi-generation trip recently. A very common thing to hear is, I came to see the African animals and wilderness, and yet am as awed by the amazing people I've met. Lasting friendships are made so often, with the guides especially, who present this National Geographic comes to life world to you. These amazing men and increasingly women spend most days of the year showing African wilderness to their guests, and yet you would think you were their first visitors. They are so enthusiastic and engaged. Yet as I write this, I feel a little bit like a travel writer. And travel writing, strangely, for I am such a huge traveler myself, has never been my literary jam. Somehow when I read about places... I put them into references of frame that I can relate to and make sense of. With Africa, this doesn't really work. The marvels of Africa, the ways of her people, the coexistence of animals within it all is not something we can easily make sense of. And perhaps this is one of the reasons that even for people who have read and read and watched and watched, listened and learned about the continent, being here brings totally unexpected emotions. There is something about the light. It is bright and happy, and when it wanes, it doesn't leave you wishing for more. You feel ready to let it go and anticipate the next day. There is something about the landscape. It is vast and beautiful, looking out at endless plains of grass, forested hills, dunes of ancient sands, brings you to yourself. Instead of feeling small and insignificant, and perhaps uneasy as a result. You somehow feel small and yet significant. You are not in charge. Nature is. Yet you totally belong. I've always felt that one of the things about Africa that grabbed me is this. Here, man is not at the top of the hierarchy. Not naturally at the top of the food chain. We are vulnerable in a way we have tried since civilization began to minimize as much as we can. And yet here, there is a coexistence that feels something like the Eden depicted in all of the Renaissance art I used to study. If things are in balance, there is no fear. There are no fences. Animals and people coexist. There is always a lot of mutual respect. Sometimes your life depends on it. But usually it just comes from sitting quietly in the presence of an animal. Often you know something about this animal, have seen documentaries, visited it in captivity somewhere, or are just inherently fascinated. Now, you're sitting quietly with it, watching, observing, thinking, and also just being in its presence. Your own senses are heightened, and you feel safe, but not take it for granted safe. You wouldn't step out of the car in that moment, but you are relaxed in your seat. Putting down the camera is important now, as as it lets the magic happen even more. It's you, in the world, a big, wild, amazing, and beautiful world, sitting with this animal, 
who somehow you sense you already know. Actually, that's only part of it. It feels like that animal knows you even more than you know her or him. She knows you in a deep, world-encompassing way. And I believe the silent exchange you have in that understanding is where the transformation in you happens. As your guide starts the car and pulls away, you exhale and look around at those with you. You see a smile. You see a face full of enthusiasm, one in a bit of shock. No one is unaffected. You have just been alone with that animal. Everything else faded away. So far away, in fact, that you feel you went back to the beginning of something. Maybe of you. Much of human history begins in Africa, on the equatorial belt that avoided ice ages and where fertility flourished, first for animals and then for us. Hunters and gatherers covered the area, living with the animals, hunting them, foraging for plants, fruits, and insects to eat. Pastoralism began, became a way of life for herders, they domesticated goats and cattle and moved with the rains to the grazing pastures, as they still do in many parts. Agriculture took off and things changed rapidly, using much of the open spaces for the growing of crops. This is where it all began, where we began, and the changed faces of those with you in the car reflects this. They've been having their own experiences, sitting right there beside you, and everyone is bonded. For me, this is a big part of what Africa is and the effect that she has on us. Stay tuned for the next podcast when we hear from some of those people I talked about, about how Africa affected them as we try to nail it down. Why is this place so incredibly extraordinary and how can we put that into words? Thanks for listening to Nella's Tin Trunk Podcast. Wishing you joyful adventures. Until next time.